We are live. Brilliant. So Welcome to another episode of Live Lunch. We have the wonderful Dr. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can say can that. I, you, yes. can, you can say that. Dr. Tim Jones. I, I haven't Ooh. gone to a graduation, but I have made it through the Viva and yes. I made it through with lots of things that I need to correct in the thesis. And then once I've done that, they'll they'll badge me off. Oh, so, yeah, 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 thank you. Yeah, I appreciate last that. Week, last week Ooh. we had uh, what did you study, Purity? Biomedical a biomedical scientist. This today we've got a doctor. I feel underqualified. Uh, <laughs> at the, at the moment. <laughs> I did a degree in economics, so thank you very much. Good I stuff. Mean, <laughs> Never used it. Um, we stay humble. And yeah. we've got the wonderful Larissa Matson, who is on staff here at Emmanuel and also plays a key leadership role in our evening service on a Sunday. So good to have mm-hmm. you with us, Larissa. It's good to be here. Um, Tim, you preached at Oasis I did and yes. you want to give us a summary of the preach yeah for sure so um, actually it was Pentecost Sunday as well so as we we're talking about the, the coming of the spirit um, and it was really appropriate to the series that we're in which is The, the Promise Endures uh, where we'd reached the juncture uh, where Jacob has his uh, vision of an open heaven and of uh, a ladder reaching up to heaven with uh, angels ascending and descending on it and with the Lord at the top speaking to him and um, uh, just to give it a bit of context, prior to that, uh, Jacob has basically cheated his way to victory. He's uh, cheated his brother out of both a birthright and out of an inheritance. And he gets sent on his way by, by his father, Isaac, uh, in a really uh, kind of a perplexingly benevolent way. That Isaac says, you know, I hope that you do get the blessing that you've cheated out of me. So there's a few cultural things where we're like, okay, we would be suing at that point and um, we wouldn't have this high view of a blessing being given irrevocably, which they clearly do and is clearly a biblical principle that we need to uh, grapple with and allow to criticize our our weak view of words. Anyway, so he's in this situation and he's scared. He's running scared because the last thing his brother has said to him is, once we've mourned the death of our father when he goes, I'm coming to kill you. And and justifiably so. You can see that actually that's all things being equal. That's the comeuppance that you get for being Jacob the cheat. His name means deceiver. Yes. And he's done that. He's deceived his way through and now he's he's in the wilderness literally and and figuratively and he he goes to sleep it uh finds a rock and puts his head down yeah, on it goes to sleep that's another interesting like who well, sleeps I, on a rock you, know, you don't do it don't, out of choice and i think i think that what's in i can't view, get my head around it it's, be so it's, it's showing that he's got nowhere to lay his head I, okay. th- I think that that's what's what's being said is that he's there's no one putting him up He's not received a, a welcome from anybody. Yeah. He's out. He's out on his own. Do you think he was like sitting down and with his head resting? Like, it's all upper body, upper body resting. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, it's like a big rock, well, or is it like? Look, I'm going to be honest, Joanna. I don't think I've gone into the ergonomics of this okay. in sufficient depth. <laughs> but um, yeah, but it's, it sounds uncomfortable. There are some things in scripture which is just they just <laughs> see them. Well, I think what's the explanation? Well, so the stone makes a reappearance yeah, in the sorry. story at the end, doesn't it? And actually becomes mm. a place, not an altar, but a place where he pours oil and realizes I've met with God here mm. and more to the point God has met with me heaven has come down yeah. back to our Pentecost point in that respect um, and in the dream he's seen a, a ladder going up to the heavens and at the top is Yahweh yeah. and this is an undoing of Babel 
Mm. Pentecost is yes. an undoing of Babel par excellence, but yeah, here's yeah, yeah. something that points to it because you've got what's called a ziggurat. It's like a, a, a pyramid with you know, steps going up yeah. like this. <laughs> and at the top of a ziggurat, uh, you would generally have an idol. Yes. Uh, which basically is showing, as it says in Genesis 11, let's build, yeah, yeah. Let's build um, a tower that reaches to the heavens. Yeah. It reaches to the holy place. And normally you would then have to instantiate your own idol at the top because you've done it. You, you have attempted <laughs> to work your way. Yes, yeah. you, you've done it. But in his dream, he sees the God of Abraham and Isaac soon to become the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Mm. And that's what's said to him. And he's given the global promise, which uh, is the promise enduring, which is what we've been talking about. And God says to him, yeah, I'm going to ratify what was said to you, the blessing that was given that you cheated to get. Now here, here's the Holy One giving, mm. giving this to you. Must be a hugely humbling thing because you know how you've got there. You have mm. got there in an inauspicious way, mm. but God has superintended the whole thing, supervened on it, and um, has, has brought Jacob in as a son into the household. And there's a lot of application for us in that, that actually, you know, we have not come in in some glorious mm. way by, by our own glory, but a glorious way by his holiness bringing yeah. us in. So, yeah, and I guess we, we talked a little bit about the vultures uh, and your explanation of the, the mm. why we've used vultures to depict the promise in Jesus. Well, quite. So this came up in conversation with a friend who's a congregation member at the New England site. And he he had grown up in a country where vultures were a common uh, common fact of life, and he was viscerally reacted to to the imagery that we have up on the stage, which uh, has this picture interposed with pictures of flourishing. Mm -hmm. And he he was disgusted because he knows what a vulture signifies. It signifies death. It signifies mauling and mutilation, and horror, and. I said, well, I think you've probably and got you the often, point there. you often have the vulture circling when the creature is about to die. Yeah, oh, yes. So it's not, I mean, yes, it is at the point of death as well, but they're waiting. So yeah. See, so even if, in narrative, when the vultures appear, you know that death is imminent. Yeah, so if we speak about Jesus as the one who conquers death and corruption as well, corruption in the non-figurative use means decay, it means rotting, uh, then the, these birds are... Are, uh, you know not just symbolic but participant in corruption and death mm -hmm. and uh, I said to my friend I think you, you know obviously you feel this more viscerally and keenly than most of us because you've grown up with a knowledge of this which many of us haven't but I think you're getting the point right and it's actually that the promise endures through uh, through the death and corruption yeah. and out into the glory it's actually that the promise does not just endure on the mountaintop it endures in the valley yeah yes mm. and and Jacob has found himself in a self-created valley yeah. at this point. Self-imposed, he's, he's been presumptuous. He's done all of the, all of these terrible things uh, and deceived. And yet he meets with the mercy and grace of God. So it's a huge picture of yeah. the grace of God in coming to us in Jesus and coming to us in the Holy Spirit in the age that it we live in. The beauty in. of yeah. the gospel is him Absolutely. glorified in our weakness. And it's in moments where it just seems like even if it's for your your through your own actions that there's death and destruction uh, as absolute corruption in 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 your situation mm. that that's when god can come through and break through and, mm -hmm. you know that's what we kept saying the promise endures uh it, it's true it was true then and it's still true for us today absolutely and so, and so jacob inherits that promise which is that uh, you're going to be blessed to be a blessing the, the abrahamic promise 
Um, and God gets very personal with it and says, yeah. I'm with you and I will protect you as well. Because what, what's, his life is threatened. You know, even when it comes to later, as we'll see, when he meets Esau, he's still working under the assumption, my life is threatened, mm. but he also has now, but I'm protected and kept by God. So if, even if this results in death, I'm protected and kept. Mm. Brilliant. Let's anything to to you from the preach? Um, well, I've still kind of been mulling over, and even with what you've been saying about um, before when we were just chatting about um, one of the small group questions about being like, oh, the hero's journey. And Tim, you were kind of like, no. Nah. Like Jacob's not a hero. I was mm. like, fair enough. But then, I don't know, it made me think of, okay, what is a hero then? And even the the only true hero is Jesus. Because we have all these superhero films, which I feel like have gotten increasingly gritty and dark. And like, mm-hmm. even the good guys aren't fully the good guys. Or is it the bad guy who's the good guy? And you don't know who to believe anymore and who to trust and what is real. And like, these people who would have been like Superman put up as like virtuous and good and uh, impenetrable and like they have or only one weakness kind of thing. Mm. They're now just like us and all this thing. So it's interesting that we have this tension in just like narrative themes and life of we want a hero, but we also don't want mm. them to, we want them to be relatable. And so it's interesting that um, that hero's journey, the way that Matt decided to like present that and kind of bring that through, it is a, opportunity for transformation but in this story and in our stories it's massively humbling because it's like even if we feel in that with the small group questions and stuff like we have any kind of hero transformation in ourselves Mm. where we get better or we grow or anything it's like we still fall so short Mm. and um so yeah i guess in seeing Mm. that i've just kind of been thinking what you were saying and being like yeah he isn't a hero, but neither is anyone else. So it mm. makes it more relatable. I, th- I, think you, I think you've hit on a fascinating yeah. point there. And basically the narratives that our, our surrounding culture works with in terms of how, you, how do you negotiate the dark and the light in human individuals, mm. um, the, the best that you can come up with if you don't understand grace and you don't understand the condescension of God to lift you up, um, is to say that people are just a mixed bag. Mm. Yeah? yeah? Oh, they're a bit bad, a bit good. That's that is that's just an observation. That doesn't give you anything about what's actually going on in a human. It's mm. just you look and you say, Oh, she's good, sometimes she's bad, sometimes she grows, sometimes she falls, sometimes. Mm. That's just observation. What the what the scripture tells you is that we are created good and holy and pure and true and right and have undergone a fall which mm. has has resulted in the tainting of the whole of creation, yeah. but have furthermore undergone a redemption <laughs> which goes yeah. beyond the personal into the church, into the world, and into mm. the whole of creation. Yeah. It's actually Jesus saying, I'm going to make all things new, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do it in a, a righteous and holy way. Mm-hmm. We, we have a better explanation for the good and the bad in yeah. individuals. Yeah. Yeah. They quite something about the, the traje- I get, trajectory would be too strong a word, but how you, you begin to notice the pattern in modern day superhero uh, graphic novels or, or comics is the, the the dark side of the superhero and the humanity. So you got the boys, you got the progression of, of Batman going from mm. comedy to darker and darker and darker. Um, and you, you begin to see how we don't like the perfect superhero. We don't like the perfect one the the, the superman we don't we it don't just like seems superman. inaccurate doesn't yeah it? exactly yeah. there's something far more because you think with the ability to be all-conquering uh, it does lead to corruption for superman to sustain yeah. 
decades of existence as the, the most superior being on the planet we know will will lead it, corruption will begin to creep in mm-hmm. and he will turn bad yeah we don't the, i don't think there's an, any understanding that the, the hero will just stay the hero throughout it's not possible mm. even the heroes in the so-called heroes in the bible like david and who king david and who yeah there are moments of just absolute darkness that they go through and but we i guess uh, my, my point is we can't reconcile with with the flawless human Mm. But we do have Jesus, and who? Well, uh, so so just talk about it further because I think the the older conception of the superhero is more based. On, it's more a product of a Christian culture, isn't yeah. it? So why did you have a, a Superman who was flawless and who who uh, was uh, you know indestructible? Mm. Why, why why is he a man of steel in mm. in that old conception? It flows out of a Christendom culture. Whereas the modern conceptions and the modern uh, depictions mm. come out of a post-Christian culture, oh, yeah. and they, and they come out of one that's kind of forgotten the bearings of grace. Mm. Actually, can't can't with confidence say that there is a good, a true, mm. a perfect, a beautiful. Mm. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, yeah. well, this is my truth. This is what yeah, yeah, it is yeah, for me, exactly. and stuff like so, that. Where there's no objectivity. Yeah, you're dealing yeah. in fragmentary terms. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Going back to the dream. So this experience that Jacob has, right? Strange experience. Um, the way you described it, <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, yeah. it almost seems psychedelic. Yes, um, yes. And there is this this experience or this dream that he has, which he then, I guess, he it ends with him saying, "But God was here. It mm. wasn't just something I imagined." Yeah. So he, he wakes, he wakes up and doesn't say, "What a weird dream." Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He wakes up and says, "How amazing is this place?" And yeah. So he's saying, "No, this this vision is rooted to this place." And uh, surely God was here, and I didn't know it. So this my, is the very gate of God. Yes. My, yes. So the ga- so was gate that of literal, God yeah. wasn't that literal place in in Canaan. Was that the the place where I don't know? I, I can't get my head around. Is that. that is there a gate of God? Yes. In in a particular place. Well, that's clearly what he's saying there, and I think his vision and his understanding is going to be expanded as it goes on. It's, it's clearly the place is special. It says, yeah. "I'll bring you back yeah, to this yeah, place," yeah. and there's going to be an inheritance that's linked to a particular area. But actually, I think Jacob's view is going to be yeah expanded from what what he declares even there so we, we'll see this later in the story <laughs> was that an extraordinary was that an extraordinary moment in history or can we ex- expect to have similar dreams or experiences well i think uh in terms of similar dreams and experiences uh, i think it's pretty unique it's, it's it's one of those things which he's he's shown there and we actually stand in a better vantage point that actually mm. you know that God was re-inheriting the whole of the earth. Yeah. He's, he, he even says these things to him, but he still fixates on the place that he's in. Mm. So so God says to him, you're going to stretch out north, south, east, and west. He gives him the big global version, and then he gives him the very personal I'm with you version of the same thing. Uh, in terms of us experiencing these kind of things now, we live in an age where we've got more information I would say that, and what I mean by that is not just we live in an information age we live uh, with with the scriptures we mm. live post the cross post the resurrection more importantly you've mm. got an ascended lord who who is the king mm. yeah. Jesus is the king over over every sphere of life over every square inch of the of the universe mm. belongs to him and we've been brought into that rulership that reclaiming that he's doing so mm. 
yeah. yeah that's what I was thinking is like if at that point in time Jacob had that dream and God spoke to him in that way and I think prophetic dreams obviously well I say obviously they still happen um but I think we can often crave that kind of thing be like oh I want an experience like that yeah. I want to have a dream and see angels ascending and descending from heaven mm. um or we come to church and we need some encouragement and we're like oh god please have someone come and give me a word when it's like hello <laughs> mm. you have a, the word yeah quite. and we have all of this if you're listening to this on the audio Larissa just Bang the Bible. <laughs> I, try, I was like, I could pick it up, but that would take too long to get the effect that I want. Um, but it's like, so there. I think there's a time and place for both, and having words of encouragement and and prophecy, and getting prayer for things a lot. But mm. I also think if you haven't even gotten stuck into the Word, we have that as our revelation. Yeah. Um, and Jesus as our revelation yeah, as I well. So, I, I, yeah. I think. Um, you know, I brought out this point even within the scripture that there's a fulfillment of uh, Jacob's ladder uh, in mm. the Gospels where mm. Jesus in John chapter one with the calling of Nathaniel um, that he's brought along by other disciples to Jesus and he's skeptical. So he comes along and he's like, oh, what's this about? And um, uh, Jesus sees him and says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no guile or here is an Israel in whom there's no guile, which doesn't really roll off the tongue. What he's saying, you know, in layman's terms is, here's a Jacob, but without the deceit. Yeah. Mm. And because Jacob and Israel are the same person. Yeah. Here's a Jacob without the deceit. And uh, Nathaniel's shocked at this. And Jesus said, you know, I tell you the truth. I saw you under the fig tree, which seems to be this thing that unlocks a very personal insight mm. for Nathaniel. And he confesses Jesus. He says, oh, you're God. Mm. You're, you're, you're the Lord. He gets it straight away. And Jesus turns around and says to him, well, you're amazed at that. You're, you're actually going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, meaning himself. Mm. He's there saying, look, I'm the fulfillment of that big dream. You know, mm. if you want a big dream, Jesus is the big dream. Mm. He is the fulfillment mm. of all of these things. He points to it. And, um, and you know, in this interaction, you see explicitly the, the fulfilling of the Jacob story. Mm. Yes, and Jesus pointing how he fulfills that. So. Yeah. So touching on that now, if if we could steer the rest of our conversation, at least for the next few moments, on that whole the exclusive claims of Christ to be the the gate or the gateway to God, mm. and the exclusive, he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Um, and then there's stuff about gates in, in, in the New Testament as well as part of Jesus's teaching. Um, some. So, in the in the sermon, we heard a lot about how exclusive those claims were, and I guess how do you, as a Christian, navigate holding on to, um, not my truth but an exclusive truth, mm. which by definition, would, um, would narrow down your options in a plural in a pluralistic society. Uh, how do you navigate that as a Christian without coming across as intolerant? Oh, very good. I. I think the first thing to note is that a pluralistic society, by definition, has to have plural stances. So that there there are people actually taking stances. Mm. To say that there are no stances isn't really a stance. Mm. I mean, it's, and and it's kind of self-refuting because it is a stance in a way that you don't want it to be. Um, when it comes to the differences, I think you know it's important to say to affirm what you are believing as well, what you do have share in common that you have a common humanity mm. with other worshippers of other faiths and that you that you do uh, inhabit the same the same earth 
Jesus, you're saying, is the, is the king over that earth, mm. and you're saying that he is the the door, as it says in John 10. Mm. He, he is the he is the the ladder. He's the way, uh, as in John 1 and in John 14. All the way through John's mm. gospel, it's a pains to say that he is exclusively the fulfillment of God's revelation on the earth. But there's plenty of other revelation of God on the earth. Now, he's the fulfillment of it, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. So he's the top and he is the contextualizer for all of the other revelations. But you have to say that wherever truth is found, it's God's truth. It belongs, it belongs to him. We're saying that truth is found ultimately and fully in Jesus Christ. But that's, that shouldn't therefore preclude other aspects that you can affirm mm. in, other, in other faiths, in other uh, ways of life. That actually, you can look on them and say, no, I can see that God's at work and God's doing things here. Salvation is in Jesus alone. Mm. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't see that there's any kind of contradiction between those two things. There's a contradiction if you say there's salvation in this and this and this. Yes. There's rescue mm. in all of these ways. No, there's rescue in the rescuer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's also the that's, creator. That's where you, he's, the, he's the eternal word. But that's where you so. clash with other religions or beliefs, don't you? Uh, I think at that point you do, but then in, in other points where you're talking about um, issues of creation and uh, the, the eternal word... Uh, it, in philosophical schools they would cross over with the logos theology and you could talk about that there's touch points in you know, most every faith that, that you can encounter because it comes from human experience and human experience is presided over by the creator yeah. and all things exist in him and through him and for him and to him what you're what you're saying to your friend who believes differently from you is that I don't agree with you on uh, on who, who the saviour is yeah. and I think that you're getting the creator wrong as well yeah, yeah, yeah. because they're one and the same yeah. and I can show you how I hold this thing together but I think that there's a humility in listening to your friend as well and saying actually tell me how you hold it together tell, tell me what's going on yeah. what, what, what does, how does your worldview work you will find that there are points of contact all the way mm. along yes so, right. like yes. in Paul when Paul goes to is in Marcel where he says you've yeah. got a I think to the unknown God, let me tell you about who, a plaque to the unknown God, let me tell you who he is. Mm. Um, Larissa, we were talking about this earlier and you talked about it holding that stance. So you're walking into a room with your friends, mm. a room full of your friends and you know you've got, you've got these exclusive claims uh, that yeah. you you have. Yeah. How do you navigate those relationships or those conversations? Mm. I think... Um, remembering that they're conversations i think we get really nervous when we feel like we need to be ready with a sermon or with a like a pitch mm. um to just talk at someone but being like actually what would be helpful for me i would hope that people would ask me questions and not just come with their assumptions um which i assume they're going to come with assumptions and sometimes they don't um and so in different conversations i've had especially working in coffee shops and things where if it's slow you, it's just you and one other person. You're just chilling. Um, and so I've actually gone about it um, bringing up faith. I mean, I have tattoos. Like, it's quite clear that, like, people ask about them. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be honest. And we're getting to that point. Usually it's not the first conversation unless someone's really keen. Um, but the point of asking them what they think about mm. the fact that mm, the way I believe is exclusive. So being like, okay, well, I believe... Because lots of people, especially in Brighton, would be like, oh, yeah, I like Jesus. He's a cool guy. Mm. And there's this whole, like, I'll create this, this like, belief system or all sides of the pyramid lead, lead to the same point, that mm. thing. Um, 
And that's where I have to be like, actually, no, I believe that Jesus is the only way. Mm. How does that make you feel? Because I often worry, and I'll just be really authentic, be like, I often worry that that's going to make you feel closed off or make you feel like I don't care. Mm. And then you just have to take that conversation as it comes. Um, but I think another verse, I was trying to look for it. You probably know. Um, in, uh, I think it's in Corinthians where the Larissa Mattson, Mattson paraphrase is like, I'm not going to hold people who aren't Christians accountable to what I believe. Mm. And because people are like, well, I feel like you hate this person and this and this. I'm like, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd probably be going off and doing all the same things. Like, why not? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to judge you for not believing what I believe. I believe that God loves you regardless. And I'm not going to come with judgment because you haven't decided to live your life under this. But that was a bit of a tangent. But um, I think having that be an emphasis where like, I'm not coming to judge. I want to talk and I want to ask you what you think about these things mm. rather than assuming they're going to be closed off as well. Yeah, furthermore, I, I think I would hope that people think that you're doing them a real favor by being clear mm. about, about the claims that you're uh, that the, the the claims that your faith makes, but also you know you're, you're not just saying to them, oh maybe. I think I think it actually does people a favor when mm. you're talking about no, this is this is who I trust in. This is why I trust in yeah. him. This is how revelation has been uh, really benevolently given by God over mm. a course of time. That He's written His story throughout. Uh, he's, he's done it in public, yeah. as, as as Paul says. You know, when he's under trial, he says, "None of these things were done in a corner." Mm. I really like that expression because yeah. that God's been good enough. He didn't have to do it like this, yeah. but he's so wise, so so benevolent, so kind mm. that he's done it in public. He's 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 let the thing play out so that people can interrogate it. He's not yeah. scared of scrutiny. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I think that you know, as a Christian, you need to carry the truth with that kind of confidence and it's not with a brashness mm. but it's a confidence that says yeah scrutinize you know mm. ask questions keep, yeah. keep doing it i'm not i'm not paranoid i'm not scared i'm yeah. not scared I, I, and and god's god's not scared it's not like god's cowering oh i hope they don't blaspheme me <laughs> yeah, yeah something like that do you know yeah. what i mean which you know he's coming down the ladder mm -hmm. he's coming down and reaching out to a deceiver yeah mm. I think that's helpful to identify with, you know, the Jacobs of the Bible yeah, yeah. for the sake of people that you're having conversation with. You say, yeah, yeah that's that's me. You know, I, I, I didn't believe better or do better or anything like mm. that. I say, I, it's the, it, the one in whom I've trusted is the one who's come to us. Yeah, and when we're yeah. when we're sharing stuff, it's like it's okay to not to have all the answers because yes. I think yeah. the there's like a duality of like I think especially my generation we want something solid want something secure and like there is i think a while back like a kind of influx of millennials and stuff going to more anglican liturgical churches mm -hmm. and it's like because there is something and my dad i remember chatting he's like why the heck would anyone want that but like there there is something of sharing everyone around the world part of that church is sharing that one prayer that thing and it was solid and it was united mm -hmm. and so there's so many people who are searching and searching and they just keep searching because they haven't found that solid thing they haven't found anything that actually stands up against scrutiny or is yeah. sure it's like it kind of works but whatever mm. um but we have this like this the promise endures like this is sure all the way through mm. everything um and so holding on to that and being like we are presenting and we're bringing we have something in jesus that people want even if it is countercultural. but also being humble enough to be like 
hey, I believe in the solid thing, but I don't know everything. Mm. And so we don't come because I think people hate everyone. Well, people hate being preached at in a way that's like, oh, demeaning. Mm -hmm. And so when you come, if someone asks you a question, you're like, hey, that's a great question. How about you look into it? I look into it. Mm. We'll come back mm. and we'll chat about it some more. It mm. keeps the conversation going. So we shouldn't be afraid, like you said, of being like, I don't, I don't know at all. The thing that I found tricky in conversations is often people can be like, oh, Jesus sounds really cool. Uh, and he sounds really nice and he's all for unity and, and, and love and uh, yeah, peace, man. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. the Jesus that I'm cool with. But I think it was Gandhi who said this. That I've no problem with I'm paraphrasing really badly. Um, <laughs> the only thing Gandhi and I have in common is bald heads in Indian accents um, and, and, and it's more and more all the time isn't it? it's Gandhi, more than uh, I've got. I like Jesus but I don't like the, the church I don't like Christians and it's it's almost it's, I guess it's less I mean of course Christians aren't perfect but it, it's maybe some of the teachings in the Bible that Christians hold on to mm. or certain ethical practices or certain views on very very countercultural views um, that the that the Bible would teach, which would probably come out more through Paul, um, less clearly through Jesus, even though you can see there's a, a nothing is inconsistent. Mm. Um, I don't know about that. I'd, <laughs> I'd say look, look at the letters of Jesus in the, the, the first few chapters of Revelation. Yeah. I think that that's yeah. that's another thing to, to yes, take a look yes. at because uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so no one looking, says anything yeah, straight than Jesus. Yeah, they're looking at the Sunday school story version of Jesus. Yeah. So that's the that's yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Just, it's not the Jesus who says I come to divide yeah. uh, mother and and son and, and mm. father and daughter and that kind of thing. It's, it's not those quotes. Those quotes have been missed. Yeah. It's more they, he didn't stone the uh, the adulteress. Mm. He he yeah, gave her. Great. Uh, great. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you? So but whilst we can believe in Jesus being the gateway to God, that cool, that's an easy, and that's, it's believable, you know, that's, that's straightforward. Mm. It's what it's the things that come alongside that, which becomes trickier and complicated. Like, wait a second, so if I put my faith in Jesus, does that mean I've also got to do a whole bunch of other things? Let me, um, let me just go back to those first few letters, first few chapters in uh, Revelation where Jesus writes to the seven churches. And for each of the churches, he writes in a very formulaic way. So it greets them, gives them an aspect of himself. Like he says, I'm the one who holds the seven stars. And it's an aspect pertinent to their situation. Then usually he commends something about that church and condemns something about it. says, you know, I like this about you. I don't like that. For some, he has nothing bad to say about them, really. The last church, the Laodicean church, says, has nothing good to say about them. <laughs> Essentially, he says, you've lost it. You've lost it, you've lost it hard. You're, you know, you're a terrible church. You represent me badly. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's all wrong. Hmm. And he Gosh. says, but behold, I stand at the door and knock. Yeah. Well, that's where that phrase comes from. Mm. He's speaking to an apostate church, he's speaking to a church that doesn't represent him, that's harsh, that's that's lost grace. Mm. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, so that that's the action that you he's he's making the effort. Mm. He's come, coming to you, he's come, coming <laughs> descending down the ladder. Yeah. If anyone opens, I'll come in and eat with him. I'll come and we'll be in full fellowship and mm. relationship. Now, here's the important bit. If you take out the, the chapter headings and what have you in the bible mm. it flows right into chapter four mm. where john then says and then suddenly i saw a door open in heaven mm. do you see this mm. i stand at the door and knock if anyone opens the door i'll come in and eat with him he's saying this to the worst of the worst mm. church the one that's in bits and then he said and i saw a door open in heaven and i went up 
and there were thrones. He's, Jesus has made that promise to the Laodicean church in there as well. He mm. says, and you'll come and sit on my throne with me where I sit with my father. Mm. Then I saw the door open. Jesus, who's already said he's the door. Mm. I saw the door open in heaven and thrones were set up and there was one seated on the throne. Yeah. Somewhere. So brilliant. I, I guess my, my question with that would be, it, I don't want to get what I'm saying because I could be phrasing this completely wrong. But in some ways, the church that I got it totally wrong or, on whatever their practices were, whatever they, they were doing in their gathering or however. Um, and I guess we can almost think about certain, you know, you, you kind of look at decisions that some churches making, like, why would you make that decision? Or why would you allow for something like that to happen? Mm. Surely that feels very wrong. Uh, I mean, again, not one thing, because I'm sure there's people looking at our church and be like, why would you do something like that? It's absolutely stupid. Um, when, it, when we say that we're opening the door to Jesus to let him come in, is does that also imply a changing of yeah. certain practice? Less or is end, it just saying... Let's end where we began, because I, th- I think you're back at Jacob. Yeah. Mm. You're back at Jacob. You're back at the deceiver who's reached by grace. Yeah. Does the deceiver stay a deceiver after that? I mean, he's definitely the most colourful character out of your Abraham, Isaac and Jacob yes. trilogy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's bad and he's very relatable yeah. mm. and he's apprehended by God. Yeah. Comes to him in grace. The, the, the son of man on whom the angels ascend and descend. Yahweh at the top saying, yeah. I am your Lord. I'm with you and I'm with the whole of the earth. Yeah. And I'm reconciling all things to myself yeah. in Christ. Amazing. That's so good. Because he, he gets a new name and he changes. Yeah. And he goes back and he reconciles with his brother. Yeah. Oh, so good. More to come, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exciting. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Love yeah. having you on. And Larissa, yeah. absolute rock star. And Larissa's off to Canada this weekend. We yeah, want to I'm see her for uh, a month. Reason. Have a lovely holiday Thanks. in Canada, Larissa. I will. Yeah, have a great time. Don't miss and me. And we will see you next week on Live Lunch. <laughs> Bye.